Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working, episode 132. And with me this week, Ian McIntosh. Hey. Just completed the residency at the Burning Bridges Comedy Club, which, Ian, if uh, the listeners don't know, could you explain to them what you got to the got the opportunity to do to be the first resident in Burning Bridges Club history? Um, so I, I guess like the the original, uh, from what they ex- like what they explained it to me, they f- they found this model in a uh, in like maybe like a southern comedy uh club or something like that that it's called the resident and pretty much like they get a a monthly uh, um a month spot at the uh at the theater and they get to you know just do comedy and um i guess like they try to build that comic up at least like that's what that's what they basically did for us here is basically like they they try to figure out what is your strengths what's your weaknesses how to get better at what you're doing on and off stage um so that that's basically what it is <clears throat> Now, with the club opening, you got to be there for some pretty cool shows. Opening weekend with Sam Talent, mm-hmm. the residency show every Sunday. And now we just, as of yesterday, had the opening of the Funniest Person in Pittsburgh contest, mm-hmm. allegedly. Yeah. Um, and you were a part of that as well. Yeah. How yeah. was night one of the competition? <laughs> um, so basically, uh, this uh, simultaneously what's going on. Uh, the beginning of the residency, this this competition and everything, um, the beginning of Burning Bridges, Bridges, Burning Bridges Comedy Festival, I mean, um, Comedy Club, actually, uh, they're just starting out, too. So, like, we're basically going through a lot of growing pains of, like, nobody really showing up. So, sure. it's, like, kind of, like, one of those things of, like, you know, uh, last night was, we had, like, a whole bunch of old people in the back that just weren't there for the comedy show but we weren't going to move them because <laughs> I had no else to eat. Yeah, it's still you know, Lawrenceville. It's They're a, still having it's dinner. A, it's a Saturday night at 9 p.m. And uh, and everybody in the other room is just like, it's just packed, just, you know, younger people. And they're just yelling and crawling over each other. So, like, we weren't, we weren't going to move them. Right. And there was, like, maybe, like, a few people in the audience that was there for the comics. But, like, after those comics left, they left. <laughs> so, it was, like, one of those things. So uh, yeah, and of course I went off. La- I went on last. So like it's like, oh, this is just open mic comedy now. <laughs> this is one of those things. You feel the room like kind of move and change throughout a, sh- a show, yeah. regardless, especially when an audience is kind of transient like that. Yeah, and, and it's funny because um, because Joe Esh actually like brought in the crowd a little bit. Nice. Like he had a lot of energy and it was really funny. And then for a second, I was like, oh shit, this is a competition now. This is okay. Let's go. Those like uh, competitive juices start flowing. Yeah, because like in my mind, I was, I was like, okay, okay, yeah, okay. This person was okay. All right, cool. And then all of a sudden, Joe Esh was like pulling out some zingers, and we we're just like, oh shit, okay. And then the next comic after that was just like, oh no, he burned the room again. <laughs> like, and I was like, and then I was next after that shit, and I'm like high energy, so I'm like, this isn't going to go too well. <laughs> Trying to fight back. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and everybody was like. I could see it in their faces. Everybody's like recovering from what happened before me. And I didn't want to make, I'm not that type of comic to like make too much fun about like other comics. Particular, yeah, like sure. I, don't, I mean, sometimes I do, you know, if I'm, if I, uh, if I'm good friends with that person and they know that, you know, like I'm not trying to come at them, you know, I'm just making jokes. Yeah. About, you know, whatever. But I was going to do that in a competition and I was also like, I was going to do that to that particular comic. So like whenever I went up, I was just like, 
yeah, you guys aren't, <laughs> you guys don't really <laughs> want to do this anymore. So, I mean, that's what happened. Um, yeah. Yeah. Throughout the residency, what are the different types of sets that you got to do? Because obviously there are different skill sets in those moments that come in handy when you get to host and then you're like, all right, the, the room has shifted. Let me try to use that host personality a little bit and fake it and try to push them back into thinking that it's a comedy show. So I'm going to, uh, uh, like I said, like the Burning Bridges um, club is going through some growing pains right now. So like it's kind of like going through like a beta version of uh, like a software or something like that. It's okay. Like, it's like you're trying to get through it. So like uh, being a resident, I missed one week because we because they already booked a show ahead of time that wasn't comedy or anything so like that was one sunday off um one of the sundays nobody was there um so really i only had two sundays that opening weekend with sam talent opening opening weekend with sun, uh, sunday t- i mean sam talent which was like uh i had to i had to learn endurance because this couple of months i've been just doing a whole bunch of shows and then usually i take off sunday and then going up Sunday and then after work like in the morning was like, oh, shit. So like, that was my first experience with that. And I was like, OK, I got to I got to get my energy back because like, I, I didn't have it. And then, um, yeah. And then the second week, I think we skipped. Then the third week was like trash. And then the fourth week I had to um, produce my own show. Oh, cool. So uh, that was the thing that I had to do, which also, again, um going through like the beta stuff of everything they gave me a week to produce it which was like it's uh, tough to pull together it's, schedules it's really sometimes t- you know yeah. like try to get you know comics on and then um you know the comics that you want to get on and then promote it on the same week and then simultaneously uh i happened to get like a, a bigger job opportunity that week so i was working like 12 to 16 hour days that that week so it was like oh i can't be on the internet <laughs> yeah, so I like keep that it, was just, it was super trash to like try to get people to come whenever like I couldn't promote it. I was like trying to text people like, "Hey, can you do this?" But like I was out in the middle of nowhere, so I had no like no cell phone status. So it was just a bad situation. But we pulled it through. We still got a crowd um, on my last week, uh, and then to host on uh, I think I hosted last Monday. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, and especially props to everybody who hosts open mic shows. Hosting I, an I, open mic and even hosting some showcases, especially like uh, a Sunday when an audience can be sketch yeah. or or trash, as you've said. Yeah. Um, it takes a whole different skill set. Right. It's right. it's very manufactured, and and you do have to balance a lot of egos. What's it like, even just managing the list of comics and trying to get it organized to a place where you feel like the show has some flow? Well, I only had one time to do it. Um, like I said, we're going through the beta version of everything, so like they were trying to figure out what they wanted the resident to do. Um, they didn't want to put too much, and they didn't want to put too little. So like we're like, whenever we first started out, it was. Derek came up to me. He's like, hey, do, what do you want to do? What do you want to focus on? I was like, hosting, which I actually didn't get to do. only got to do hosting once as a resident, um, which was like a Monday. And it was handbone, so it means that like, everybody in the mother is coming out. So like, yep. that was uh, – and then um, John DeWinners preferred to make up the list. So like, I did the showcase list in the beginning of the show, um, which is like four comics. So I got to like do the – uh, the order of that but then after that it was just like a shit show of like open mic sign up, up go yeah, up. yeah yeah that stuff so like i think john was like well let me just do that part because it's like it's overwhelming and it's like a whole bunch of stuff so like you just you know don't worry about it so um 
basically it was just me hosting the whole entire thing, which was like the one thing is John was like, uh, you don't have to keep on going up. <laughs> you don't have to in between the mics, in between each comic, just sit in the booth and just yell out their name. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, we're just gonna do it that way. He's like, Yeah, I'm just gonna change the format. I'm just gonna do it that way. So like basically, uh it was a very lazy way of hosting. <laughs> I don't I don't it, it's it was it was a weird experience. Um I was definitely tired. Uh I, I definitely went through the phases of I want to tell this person to stop doing comedy. Uh, <laughs> like you see all kinds. People, yeah, like just yeah. people who um people were trying it out for the first time and like you know doing these jokes is like oh this is not okay and it's just like and, and John is like just let him early. This and I'm like it's only been a minute. And he's like dude you're gonna hurt it. Like you're gonna hurt the whole universe of my mother. All right. But, so like it, it's it's I guess it's managing that and trying to figure that out. I. I, what I realize as a resident is I don't ever want to be a host. <laughs> so, like that is uh, for for open mic for actual show. That's fine. Okay, I've done that plenty of times. Um, but with an open mic, it's just a different animal, man. It's just like just yeah, there are egos that come in. Um, there was a guy that isn't even from the city. Like, is it from this? I think he was like an out of town comic or something like that. Sure. Like, he came up to me. He's like, "Hey, put me on the list," and I was like. I don't know who you are. Yeah, <laughs> like, and you can like, write oh. your name down. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know why he didn't like, I was like, the, the list is right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's right here. Just sign it up. Like, I even gave him the pen. He's like, no, just sign me up. And I was like, I don't know who the fuck you but are. Who the fuck? I like, don't know your name. Right? To yeah. Put I don't down know your name. Who are you? As well like, as you. <laughs> it's not the seller. You don't just show up. It's like, a yeah. <laughs> well, Simple. and it's like, everybody wants to go up early and you got to manage who's coming from what mics, especially yeah. on like nights in the city where there are multiple things going on. I, I'm not too worried about people who said that they want to go up early because I'm just stern on shit and I'll just say no. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, nah, we don't have one for it. Time. We already have you on the list as is, So it's fine. And I mean like that's happened to me. Like Derek has done that to me before. He's like, Hey, like, can I go up early or whatever? And he's like, no, it's like I already have the list. And I was like, all right, fine. Cool. Yeah, you don't. And like when I filled in for you should have been there next week, which is what the Monday Hambones is now being referred to at nine o'clock start. Yeah. Um, open mic, sign up, go up. Everybody gets an opportunity to tell jokes, and and that's probably if you're looking for a way to get in front of Derek Minto and John Dick Winters, who are the people who have put together the Burning Bridges Comedy Club. That's the best way to get seen by them is to show up on Monday nights and Thursday night at Hambones. They're Tons of other great open mics for you to go out and try new material, but those are the people who are putting up shows. So as people who are looking to get more stage time at the club and find opportunities like the residency, um, you said they wanted you to figure out if you wanted to host initially, and you said probably not here at the end. Did you have any other no. goals kind of going in? No, actually, no, no. I did say I wanted to host. I, I initially that was, was kind like, of the setup goal yeah, for yeah, the yeah. month. Yeah, like, was that was definitely like I wanted to host and I wanted to figure out because that is definitely one of my weaknesses of like I've never hosted longer than four comics you sure like, it's like one of those things showcases like, tighter yeah, yeah 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 like just figuring out how to do that and then like you know um but i i think that they were just trying to figure out what was going on with their comedy club so mm -hmm. like, they didn't want to like just hand it off to somebody and just be like all right good you know good luck i think that uh i think that the residency is going to take a little bit of time to develop i think it's going to i think it's going to hit a stride around in february of next year but sure. anyways um uh, another goal I wanted to do was I wanted to come up with new jokes every single week, which I mean, I've, I've done that before. Um, but I just really wanted to like polish it and like make sure that on Sunday I'll be fine. But miss one Sunday, one of the Sundays was trash. 
So it's like, okay, the first Sunday, I was like, okay, I did, I did some new jokes, did some old jokes, and then, um, you know, uh, went back, licked my, licked my wounds, hmm. you know, tried to figure out how to, you know, polish up everything. And then, um, you know, the next Sunday it was like, I can't try new material. Like, it's just like, there's nobody here. And then last week it was like, uh, you know, I just kind of wasn't trying to make new jokes. It was like, okay, I just want to put on a show for all these people. Cause like they came out on a Saturday, I mean on a Sunday and, uh, you know, the energy in the room of like who I put on the show was like. It was highly competitive. This is the one you produced. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what I wanted. Every single show that I want to do, I want to put on very ambitious, very like hungry comics that are just like, I want to be on this. I want to be on the side of the stage, being like, shit, I I gotta be better than this person. And that's basically what happened. Like you know, I had Ed Bailey, I had Marcus Cox, I had Sam Sam Bentley, and all those people. They 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 show up and like, and everybody's just falling out of their chairs and shit. And we're just like, fuck. (laughs) Like that's that's what I want. That's exactly what I want. Um, So it wasn't. It wasn't about doing new jokes at this point. It was about, like, how do I do better? That's that raise the bar kind of an exactly, outlook. Yeah, exactly. where you're like, let me put the best people around me. I'd rather be the worst person on the best lineup oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and earn my stripes to find out how I can play into right. what they're doing. Right, right. Um, versus, I think there are probably some producers who are, let's put together a lineup that builds to maybe the final person is the killer and you get some components of personality. Mm-hmm. So when you have a show like that and you feel like everybody is talented, how do you look at structuring the lineup? to make sure that the show kind of has a good flow from beginning to end. I look at, um, I, I just, I highly study the comics that I want to do or that I want to have on, on the show. So right now I'm producing a show called, um, uh, live at the barbecue, oh, which cool. is like, uh, just all the comics that I think that are just like, you know, exactly what I'm saying, you know, and just like trying to structure it in a certain way. That's like, they all have a different flavor to them, but on the same note, like, uh, you know, so like Samantha Bentley, she's like very, um, she's very crowd work type of person. Like she just goes out. She and cuts she up just, on the audience. And just the whole entire time. Yeah. And, and it's like, and I would put her in the middle of the show because um, someone like Marcus Cox is actually the same way, but lower energy. So I put them, I would pair them together because like they juxtaposition themselves. But like on the same note, like they, they, uh, they do this. They're doing the same thing, like in and doing something like that. Whereas uh, somebody who is, um, you know, like Seneca Stone, I'm having Seneca Stone host it, and he's very um, material based. Yeah, he's very big based. In he's that. a good writer. Right, right. So like, I'll put him in, the, and I'll put him in the beginning of the show, you know, and him hosting in the middle, um, and then I'll have like Norlex at the end, who is also like very, you know, material based, and I'll. Have them in yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Kind of have so them like, as the bread yeah, to the yeah, sandwich. Yeah, yeah. So like, it's like kind of like the mix up of like different energies and like people feeling like, oh man, like I mean, I, you will still have people laughing about jokes that Sam will say in the middle of somebody else's set, and I can't have her like, I I wouldn't put her at the end because I think that everybody would have like some fatigue towards the end, you know, like of just listening to material, listening to material, and then all of a sudden, what the fuck, you know, like it has to be in the middle because. Building up to that, I'll have like a a new comic, a newer ish comic in the beginning. Then it's her. Nice. Okay. You know, so it's like the nervous energy of like, okay, I don't know if he's gonna make it. Then it's her, and then everybody's feeling like, oh, I don't know if she's gonna make it. Oh, she, she's funny as fuck, and she's not doing material. She's just doing her thing. And then like you know, Marcus Cox, same way. He does material, but then also he does you know whatever. Um, just like mixing it up that way of like 
playing with people's emotions a little bit, <laughs> you know, you know, like just doing stuff like that. Um, I guess like it's just kind of that, that's my favorite part of it now. Like it's just like and that's what I got from the residency, which was, you know, that was kind of like my prototype of trying to figure that out. It's like, OK, I'm going to do this show. And then pretty much like everybody on that show, I put on uh, this next show that, I'm, that I have next Saturday called Live at the Bar- Barbecue, which is like pretty much everybody besides Samantha Bentley, because like she has another show. Where's that going to be? Night. Uh, at Arcade, so. Oh, no, very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, coming yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be super fun, and um, I'm hoping that if it's not going to be at the Arcade, I'm just going to keep on moving it. It's going to be one of the shows that's going to just move it around. Keep the title, keep yeah, the branding. Yeah, 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 and just, like, keep that brand of, like, I want to have somebody who is, you know, crowd work oriented. At the same time, I want to have somebody who's, like, heavy with material, things like that. Like, just, like, mixing it up and, you know, um... You know, try to figure that out is really fun for me. To be able to have the variety of voices then for the different. So on a lineup like that, do you still pop in and do a set? Oh, yeah. And where do you, (laughs) I assumed, and where do you try to find where you fit in best? Or what do you like to follow personality-wise from the comic if you had your pick of who you'd have to come off energy-wise? It's funny because I don't even remember where I have myself in the lineup for next Saturday. Uh, The 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 last show where like the prototype show I was headlining, so uh, I was in the position of Norlex, which was like material heavy. Mm-hmm. That's what I was doing. Um, I would probably put myself after Marcus Cox uh, in this lineup. It would be uh, it would be uh, Seneca hosting Izzy Rue, which is like a new comic, newish comic. Samantha Bentley, Marcus Cox, then me, then Norlex. Um, and uh, I think that I'm kind of like a mixture of doing crowd work, but then also doing material. So, like, I probably put myself before Norlix yeah. because uh, it's kind of like that transition of, like, doing uh, crowd work and doing material. And then now it's, like, heavy material again. So, like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess. Yeah. Well, and it's it's not even as if each comic doesn't have some of both because Norlex right. can go to the crowd. You right, can go to right, the crowd. Right. right. You and I both got our start in improv before we were really heavily mm-hmm. influenced by st- or heavily doing stand up at the level we are now. Mm-hmm. Do you still find that that improv is helpful in how you do crowd work? Do you use it in your stand up as a regular kind of tool in your tool belt? Um, about like almost a year ago, I used to do this duo called um, Merc with the Mouth, which is like a uh, it had no format with with improv it was just like more of like mixing stand-up and improv together so like it was me and nate merck and like he would be more improv based and i would do like more stand-up crowd work stuff and it would, sure. we would break we would break the fourth wall and we're just like running to the crowd one time we pulled up somebody from the audience to do a scene just like randomly and just like and there was no like all right start of the scene you know end of the scene like we happened to pull somebody in and they just went with it and acted like a character and we ran with it and everything um so like I think that, I think that had a big in- impact on that. In yeah, that. I, you guys had some good shows for the Make Nice Boom Run when you guys were yeah. champs last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really fun. Um, and then I think that what really that that helped me transition into um, the show called Hurry Up and Say Something Funny, which is like mm-hmm. all crowd work based, and I don't miss a month. Like I do it every single month. Um, Out at Apis. Yeah, and that's that's more so improv. You know, improvising with the crowd and trying to figure it out. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess like using the, 
the skills of observing people and you know if you're later if you're later on in a in a in the in the lineup of a show that's like all crowd work you know a lot of comedians would be like oh everybody's stealing the material everybody's stealing material if you have a improviser's mindset you would be like well i'm just going to yes and those jokes right you know what i'm saying like it's oh, oh so, so you like you're you're ripping on the the uh, the the married couple that you know they're having a good time or whatever you just you know making you know fun jokes about it all right, let's go deeper. <laughs> you know, yeah, like let's, let's keep let's talking. Let's yes and that shit. Let's find out what's going on with this shit. Even you know. not on crowd work shows, I'm amazed by the amount of people who prefer to go in blind, like not seeing the other comics ahead of them mm-hmm. versus paying attention to two to three comics before you in a lineup. Because then even if it's not like the other comic doing particularly well or crowd work, but you're going to hear some sort of audience interaction. You're going to pick up on something that happens in the room mm-hmm. that you can then take into your set and kind of use that as the jumping off point yeah. to connect with these people to make it feel like it's not just material based. Right, it's not right. just lines. I usually watch the beginning of the first comedian and the last set of the comedian before me. But I usually, and I also usually have like a, a earphone in because I'm like trying to get in my zone, but I'll keep an ear open to like, if anybody mentions anything that I'm going to say, or if anybody's going to mention anything to the audience, I usually like perk up and I was like, okay, where was that? Okay. And then I'll go back. Yeah. Like, I usually don't like pay attention strongly to like what's going on with the comic. Um, this is more so like, okay, like what's the general feel of the room? You know, like, what's happening it, in there? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, is it a morgue? You know, like, is it, you know, like, is, it, is nobody live in here? You know, if that means that, then, then I got to start rewriting my shit and I got to figure out how to bring the crowd back. Um, if they're having a great time, it's just like, all right, then I could just ride this, you know, like, I just like to show up and just do my shit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, I agree. I think that I think that certain people do like just like I mean, I, I would love to. uh I would love to be one of those people that just walk in and just get it right. I mean, um, uh, Todd Berry kind of did that for the uh, for the festival. He was like, we were just kind of hanging out and we weren't really watching anybody. And then like, he just kind of went on stage. And even though he retreaded the same people in the audience that like other people talk to, uh, and sometimes he would ask similar things. Uh, and somebody was like, oh, you got asked that already. He's like, I, like I was in the fucking room, <laughs> like, 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 you know, and it still was funny in a way like, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I, I understand it, but I don't understand it. it it's, it, it's a cool skill to have if you can just walk in and just kill a room regardless, you know? Yeah. To be able to overcome anything that right, they throw right, at you, no matter right. what. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean we don't necessarily have that luxury all the time. Well, we're learning, you know, we're still picking that up. You know, whenever Todd Berry shows up in a room at one point, he was talking about furniture and people were dying and like, and really he was like, I'm not really making any jokes right now. (laughs) I'm just like, you know, I'm just showing up. Uh, I saw he just got announced as the headliner for the burning bridges comedy festival, which will be in uh, March. Yeah. We talked about that in the green room. Actually, uh, John was in there and he's like, Hey, do you want to come back in March? And, um, and he was like, yeah, sure. And no we didn't deal. believe him. Like, we just kept on, like, he's like, oh, he's just doing this shit or whatever. And, like, we hung out till, like, 3 a.m. in the morning, and he was just like, yeah, I'll do it. And I was like, really, man? All right, cool, man. Like, <laughs> All right, cool. I'll see you next fucking uh, March. So yeah. I heard rumblings that he submitted to PCF, but I just, like, sending them a yeah. link of his Netflix special. Uh, yeah, he called that out during the show, too. Did he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, <laughs> he was like, he was like, uh, 
he's like, it's amazing how nobody knows who the headlining comic is, but they know who I am. <laughs> like, I'm not headlining. Yeah, that's true. And like, it was, it was fucked up. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, you know. Uh, he's a cool dude, though. Not a good hang. You've had the opportunity to do comedy. You've done improv. I know that you, kind of in your day job life, get to do a lot of set work mm-hmm. and be on um, a ton of different productions here in the greater Pittsburgh area. What are some of the different roles you've gotten to have on a movie set, TV sets? Um, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Just everything. Um, I've... Uh, I've directed stuff. I've written stuff. Um, one of my favorite positions is just being a script supervisor and just like just making sure continuity is fine, making sure that the whole entire crew is like good. Uh, You're more the like, cheerleader energy person at that point. Not really. It's more so like, are you doing your job? You know, you're like, the RA. In a weird, <laughs> yeah, like in a weird way, like I get to kind of yell at people low key. Sure. Like uh, put them on blast to them. Yeah. yeah. Like Come I on. mean. Um, Two weeks ago, I was working a, a John Eagle job. Okay. And, you know, like, I mean, a John Eagle commercial. And, um, you know, the sound guy was doing something. And I was like, dude, the sound's not on. <laughs> like, what the, what the hell? We're rolling. And, like, the rest of the... And these are these are people from, like, New York. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are people from New York. And, like, they're hiring local people in, in the city. And if we're trying to get people more invested in the city, we can't be having people, you know, be missing. Dropping the stuff. ball. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, like, you know, pulling people to the side and being like, hey, just be on top of it. You know? And I don't know if that's the role of being a script supervisor, but I just kind of took it as my own because a lot of people look at script supervising as like that, that intern or like that, that person that just kind of is just low key, you know, like, oh, I'm just like the whipping boy. Nah, I don't, I don't put up with shit. <laughs> like, yeah, but- I, like I just show up, I'm like, nah, I'm not fooling with that shit. I'll, I'll command people like, give me a chair. Like, like you know, like it's, 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 it, yeah. Um, uh, and I also teach film. So that's, that's fun too. Um, yeah, yeah, I do a whole bunch of shit. Yeah, for both productions I've been on in a major way, it was almost like the PA kind of had to take over script supervisor role, so they were wearing two right, hats. Right, And that's tough because they're so different, and you both jobs are very demanding. Well, and also, like, if you're on a high professional set, they will ask you questions that you have to know in that moment. You cannot stutter. You ha- it's your, they will, they you have will to live in that you. story. They will literally fire you on the spot. Wow. I've seen it. Like they, like, they will be like, you know, not even like, they'll be like, what hand was she using to drink that water? Like, how many, t- like, damn near, it's almost like, how many times did she blink? <laughs> like, it, it's almost to that degree. You have to be OCD on that, on that yeah. type of thing. And uh, people will try to undermine you. Uh, you know, the uh, the second AC, which is the, sec- the second assistant camera, was just like, uh, she was testing me a little bit. She was just like, you know, being like, did you get this? Did you get that? I was like, yeah, I got this. What the fuck? You get off my back. <laughs> like, you know, I know everything. That you- I know how many times you went to the bathroom. All right, like, that, that, that. <laughs> I mean, really, you have to know, you have to know, like, when did we start shooting? How long this scene uh, has been taking? How long it's been taking? Yeah. Um, how many takes? Like, oh, what you we're know, still everything. missing. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, like, just everything. But yeah, not to make the, the film thing, but yeah. No, but I'm, I'm interested because yeah. I don't think that most people who are just consumers, people who are just watching television mm-hmm. or movies, have any idea what goes into getting the right shot or getting yeah. the perfect dialogue and, you know, how you capture a story mm-hmm. on film. Dude, like we were, so we're in the, we're in the Johnny Eagle parking lot and they were just trying to get like the, 
they call it a plate shot, which is like just the outside of an establishment. And what they want to do is they want to show that it's lived in. So they have like a lot of extras walking out and like, you know, cars parked in the parking lot. Sure. And this, the director was like, I don't really like that car in the shot. And we're like, okay, yeah. I mean, like we have a whole bunch of PAs and they have different cars. And he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't want those cars. I want that car. And we're like, well, we're not, nobody owns that car. And he's like, go, go inside. Because the John Eagle was still functional. Mm. By the way, there's still people going in. Well, they they go find the guy. That, to be done. Go find the guy that owns that car. We're like, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna. So we spend an hour trying to convince the guy. Like, listen, we can't just buy somebody's car. Like, I mean, like the budget is great, but it's not. We're not gonna buy a car off of somebody. <laughs> like that's that's to ridiculous. Make your shot. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's insane. It's insane. Whenever you get to that level of like, oh, they just. You know, whenever you just have that type of, I call it Coke money. When like, money's not real, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. like, everybody's just wired and, like, they have the biggest dicks in the world and they're just, like, <laughs> just walking around, like, oh, I want that fucking thing. And it's like, you can't have it. Like, you can't. These are locals. These are Pittsburgh locals. It's just a guy's car. Yeah. Like, you just can't just, like, just move it and put it in the shot. Like, that's not. And guess what? That shot is going to take two hours because, like, there's it, so many moving parts of things. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous doing those things. Uh, I remember one time, like my brother called me on a film set, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a film set." And he's like, "All right, I'll call you in two hours." And I was like, "Why would you call me in two hours?" Because like, that's how long it takes to shoot a movie. I was like, <laughs> "It takes two hours to get one shot." Whenever you're doing this, yeah. shit. It, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, man. I know that um, a lot of your work's behind the scenes, but you had the opportunity to act last year on a television pilot called Mulligan that shot here in uh-huh. town. I've done work with Michael Sullivan. I'm friends with Pat Cannon, who mm-hmm. wrote the story. Mm-hmm. What was it like getting to be on the other side of the lens and having the opportunity to really kind of dig in on somebody else's work? Super fun because uh, well, it was weird because me and Pat went to the same high school. Oh, very cool. Which we didn't realize until I was already casted. And I was like, Cannon, his last name is Cannon. I was like, I know Cannons. And like, and I called him up, which is weird to like just call up the guy. Like, I was like, hey, man, I think I know your brother. And like, we're just talking forever. And I think establishing that. And then like also like the, uh, I think the, um, the AD uh, was Steve, uh, uh, Steve Perez, Perry's, whatever. I I forgot how to pronounce his last name. Um, But like pretty much like most of the people on the film set were people who I knew. So like it was, and they knew I was a comedian, so they let me have the the luxury of just doing whatever the fuck I want in the scene, going bigger on takes and fun. Yeah. Like it was super fun to try to throw off the, the the actors who were like really on book, and I'm super on book too. But I'm just doing ad libs in between my lines, and people are just like, Shut the fuck up, like like, you know, like just like you throw me off, and it's like no no no, just keep that energy, you know, doing because like, that was my character of being like the uh, the comic relief, sure, and those certain type of situations, and um. Yeah, it was super fun doing that stuff. Uh, and then from that, I was able to like do more other acting stuff, which I, I don't want to be an actor, to be honest. Really? But it's super fun to like just try out every now and then. Like I got to do uh, a Pizza Hut commercial after that, just from that. You know, like uh, people have been asking me, like, hey, can you act in this? Can you act in that? And I'm like, is it paid? And like, no, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm not doing it. I, I've done that type of stuff. And you spend a whole entire day doing it. And then you don't have anything to show for it right. because it's, it might be trash. You know, like it's not anything you're going to be proud of. And then you just, you just wasted your time not trying to build what you want to do, which is, I mean, 
the the further I get in comedy is it's like, you know, uh, you know, the residency, um, people asking me to produce more shows, it's like, oh, they're asking me to do that because I'm a comedian. Like that's you like, put in the work. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't like in my mind because like people keep on asking me to do free shit that I'm not used to people asking me to like, hey, here's four hundred dollars, make something of it. And it's like, oh, I get paid to do this? Okay. Oh shit. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm here to do stuff. I forgot that okay, yeah, okay, I'm actually doing stuff for money. All right, now I gotta, you know, so it's more so like I, I don't wanna act because acting means that you have to reset and do those free stuff again. Sometimes, yeah, for sure. Sometimes, sometimes. Unless if like you're building yourself as a personality and people are just like, just be in the show and I'll pay you. We need you Other people this, yeah. are more like skeptical because like, I keep on hearing your name, but I don't, you don't have a reel and right. I, I'm too lazy to edit a reel together. And, uh, and I don't know how you're acting. So like, I don't want to make you the, the, the main character of this if I don't know how, how you act. So, you know, I'm not going to pay you to, you know, to do anything really. Like, it's just like, just do the thing. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't really want to put in. You know, memorizing all these lines, doing all this character work and stuff like that, just to do that. For meanwhile, quote unquote experience. Meanwhile, meanwhile, you know, stand up is like, hey, I want you to drive out to this and do this, and you know, it's like, no, here's, I want to, I want to do, I want to do comedy. Here's this much money for ten right. minutes or fifteen, right. twenty, right. whatever. Right, I'd rather do that than, than act. I, I would love to, you know, like if somebody's like, hey, just do a small role or something like that, or like blah blah blah. Yeah, I'll try it out. You know, just have fun, um, not put in too much work, and and I think that like. What real what really soiled it for me, uh, towards acting was like there was a particular person that had me do a pilot for another thing. Okay. And I've worked with this guy many times before. And um we like we quote unquote had a a tight friendship. And he was like, Hey, I'm coming back into the city, uh, I'm doing this pilot. What is your budget? You know I mean, what is your what is your pay rate? you know, for you to, you know, help out on this and then also act and then also help write and everything. And I set my, I set my, uh, I set my price. And, uh, cause that sounds like three jobs. Oh, I had a lot of jobs. Yeah. I, was about, I had a lot of jobs. That's fine. At one point I was doing lighting. At one point I was doing the cinematography. At one point I was writing and then like, yeah, so it was insane. Yeah. Um, and then the last second to last day that I was supposed to be on, I get the check and he just whispers off to me. He's like, Hey, I'm sorry, I can't pay you as much as, you know, as I said or whatever. And I was thinking like, okay, it's going to be like, you know, two thirds. 60%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even. It wasn't. It was like, it was like $160. And I called off work for this shit. Sure. Which took a big hit to Paid my work, shit. yeah. And then he starts like telling me this sob story about how he lost the, the, the money Funding and, wasn't there anymore. And, and and I was like, well, when did you know this? And he's like, two months before production. I was like, then why did you shoot? Yeah. Just don't shoot it. You had all these people out there who like drove an hour. Spent, to this. You know, like I, I had to like change my oil. I had to do a whole bunch of shit, like balancing everything. I had to call off work. Both of my jobs I had to do that shit. Um, you know, I think like something happened in my car. I forgot something happened besides like changing my oil that I was like, this is costing me unexpected more money. expenses, yeah. and that's why. And that's why, like, I'm like, I'm not gonna act for free anymore, and I'm not gonna. I, I I'll do. I'll do some sets if it's in the city limits. For sure, free, for free. Like you know, like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I've yeah, done like sure. a one day thing. If somebody right. needs me, yeah. I'm happy to hop in. If right. it's not gonna be a huge inconvenience, and I have the day available, right, right. 
but it's got to be the right person who I trust what they're doing. Right. It's got to be at least something that when I become somebody who's like you, not too lazy to make a reel because yeah. I have video. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's just like finding a stand-up tape. It's got to be like high quality. You want it to be put together right, the right, right way before you start putting it out there right. into the universe. Right. It's, it's nice in Pittsburgh to be able to develop that without the, I guess, stress and pressure of a real market or a New right. York or, or things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, and also, like, doing a set for free takes maybe two hours out of your life. Mm -hmm. And that gives you more opportunities to do other shows because that person that puts you on is going to appreciate you and be like, okay, well, I'm doing this next time. That is that's what, like, that's what happened at Handbones. It was, like, my, my prototype show. I was like, okay, guys, this is not going to be paid. In two weeks, I'm going to give you a pay gig. Right. I promise you that. I'll promise you I'll give you a pay gig right after that shit. Just, you know, do whatever you got to do. Do this one for uh, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do this one for me, and I'll make sure that the next one is going to be super fun, just as this one, but it's going to be paid this time. And it's not um, like even in those moments when you know that pay is not guaranteed, you're not going above and beyond. You're like, I'll take care of drinks for people. Right. I'll, I'll bring beers for the green exactly. room in those situations. Exactly, exactly. You, you always look as a producer to try to at least show the other people that have taken the time to support something you're putting up that you value their time. Right. That right. You're, you're thankful that you, you, they are willing to work with you right, at all. Right. And whenever I said like, I'm lazy at putting a reel together, it means I have to chase down people for that footage. Mm. And, and rather than that person giving me the gratitude of like, Hey, here's the footage of what you did. It's no, I got to chase that person down. Well, and, and even it, still, you once know, you have it, you have to edit it together. You've got right. a timestamp that you got to figure out. That's fine for me. Like, that I mean, doesn't like, bother I, you. You can, slap, you can slap that together. That's easy. Oh, I might uh, bring it's my more stuff so to like, you It's then. more so like messing with people over and over again, especially whenever, uh, especially whenever in stand-up, you got to chase down people for your footage for doing stand-up. The chase for know? tapes, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, like, it's just like, it's so much to do that shit. I mean, certain people are good on it. Certain people are good on it. Other people, I've messaged for like maybe two months. Like routinely every, every couple, couple of, of a couple of weeks. So I don't want to be an asshole, but it's like, hey, listen, I'm trying to submit to festivals and stuff like that. You're hurting me right now because that was a good set, and I really want to, you know, I don't want to put out an old set, right? Because I don't do that material anymore. I want to, I want to show this the newer this relevance. Yeah, stuff. this yeah. is my newest fun thing, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll get it to you, I'll get it to you. And it's like, dude, just, 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 just give me the file. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll put it together. You know. Uh, you know, doing that type of work is already a lot to do to yes. be a stand-up. You know, to try to balance it as a as a as an actor is just like it's it's too much. Like it's just too much to try to figure that out. It's a whole nother job. Um, yeah, I mean, like yeah, and on top of everything else, it's like it's just insane. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You talked about doing more writing with the residency, trying to come up with new material every mm -hmm. week. Um, how has that month kind of changed your process, or has it increased the amount of you know stuff you're putting out? To be honest, October was like, you know how like in football, like the wide receiver is just like, he's just running and he's running. It's like, holy shit, he's going, he's going, he's going. Obviously, he hits a wall. Like he just like hits, hits that one guy that's like, it is like clubs him and his helmet falls off. Straight like that back. was October for me. Okay. Like that was like June to September was like, I was running. I was like, man, I would, I remember one time I was driving down to do a set down to uh to south side so i had like maybe 20 minutes and i was like i'm gonna think of material as i drive there and i had a whole entire new set for like five minutes and i did my five minutes and it crushed and i was like oh man i'm in the renaissance of my life right now this is amazing <laughs> this is amazing and then as soon as i got to october it was like okay i'm gonna do the same thing that i did i'm gonna i'm gonna do it even half half the time i'm just gonna walk down to hot handbones so like it's like i live near uh and 
I just didn't have the, the energy to do that shit. Cause it's like, it's like, you have to, you have to have the energy to remember and, and try to perform this new stuff that you want to do. But also you have to deal with the fact that nobody wants to listen to comedy. Man. Right. So like that, that's, that's what really sucks about it. Um, I think that being a, the residency I think is the missing link of stand up in the city. I really do. I think that, you know, a lot of comics are like, how do I move up? How do I move up? How do I move up? I don't know how to move up. I think, I honestly think that the residency is the bridge to, I mean, like, if you look at the next lineup, it's, it's, it's OSHA dryer, you know, um, it's, um, it's, um, uh, Alex Homiak. Nice. You know, these guys, these guys are crushing rooms. You know, they're showing up They're They're, you know, they're, we're all mercenaries. Like we show up, people hear about us. Like, all right, let's go, let's go you know, get us on stage, we crush, and then we leave. We don't put on shows. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I haven't heard of, I haven't heard of OSHA doing it. I haven't heard of Alex doing it. So, like, I think that, at least they're not known for, at least. For? Um, for, like, putting on shows and producing shows. Sure. I know Homie X just now taking over that um, Monday Nights at Spearmint Rhino showcase exactly. he's, he's putting up. Exactly. But I was on a, a lineup. He closed out last night at Arcade right. for Level Up Stand Up and crushed. Sold out house. Exactly. Like, OSHA was on the lineup. Did mm-hmm just a great show right, top to bottom right, right and they're both incredible so to give them the same kind of tools that they gave you month one now that it's gotten some of the kinks right. worked out it's only going to benefit the two of them in how they approach producing exactly. how they produce exactly and their th- sets th- and that's the same thing for me because like it's like that was the first time that somebody really asked me hey produce a show and i was like oh i don't for some reason i was like i, I thought i thought there was like a comedy god that came down from the heavens You're ready. and just like yeah just touched you it was like no no you could have been doing which by the way i mean i don't know why i had that idea because we had so many new comics be have been doing that this whole entire time sure like joey purse like you know chris creva like all these people have been doing shows putting on their own shows that build your own attitude and yeah. and, they, and they're paying these they're paying comics like they're paying comics like really well and i'm like you guys don't understand like like it's funny because like they're 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 not good at hosting yet. Like they put the cart before the horse. Yes. But in a weird way, they're still making it work. And I'm like, oh, I could have been doing this the whole entire time. I could have been, you know, I, and I I prefer the process that I went through. Right? I focusing on just being a comic on stage, just like OSHA, just like Alex, and you know, just doing that shit is a lot more better than like trying to get a show together and people show up, a hundred people show up. And then the show sucks ass. Yeah. Because you will never get that, you know, that experience again. Um, well, once upon a time, before we were talented, when we right. were still just improvisers, right. we tried to produce shows. Yeah, We yeah, tried yeah. to host together. Yeah. I tried to, at least when I made that transition, do the open mic. Right. Where I was like, let me get myself out there to put myself yeah, in yeah, the scene yeah. in a different way. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's helpful to some extent to put the cart before the horse a little bit because you do want to get that experience. You need to figure right. out how to work your jokes in. Hosting is a great skill set to have. Yeah. But guess, we were both under, uh, we were definitely not setting up the other comics on those lineups for success. Yeah. We didn't know how it hosting as a two person thing has its moments, but you yeah. really have to be rehearsed yeah, for yeah, those yeah, things yeah. to go over. Well, I yeah. think uh, to, be honest, <laughs> to be honest, I forgot that it's like you blacked out the skit years no, at the even, beginning yeah, of your it's comedy, like blocking it out. It's just like, it just feels like a different life. Like it's like back then I, Back then, I blacked out on stage. I didn't know what I was doing on just stage. Just from nerves? Like, no, it was just like, it was like, it, I guess not from nerves, but like trying to remove myself from my from my mind 
it was just like, okay, I know what I want to say. Just do it. You know, instead of just, instead of like being articulate and trying to figure out what's going on uh, within the room, it's more like, okay, I rehearsed this and I'm just going to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, now that I'm here now, it's just like, it's, it's, I guess that's the reason why I stepped down from like wanting to do hosting. Cause I was like, I can't. I can't remove myself from my body. I mean, I have to, I can't, I can't move myself from my, from my body while hosting. I have to be prevalent. I have to be, being a good host means that you have to be uh, talking to the audience. You're not just delivering jokes. You're like, you're playing with the audience. You're trying to get them set up for the next. It can't be hello. And then here's my normal opener. Right, right. Which I mean, I learned at the beginning of this year, I did a show for Chuck Krieger and it was like 200 people. Nice. And I went out there and I was doing my jokes and I was crushing but like Derek was like, that was great. But, but you, you, you didn't need host. to talk to more. You need to talk to more of the audience. Yeah. And and that's what I'm teaching other comics is like, hey, it's not just saying your jokes. It, it's you can say your jokes. And, and 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 Derek did say he's like, yeah, you did like local stuff. Like he did like you know because it was out in Johnstown, so you were like making jokes about local stuff. You're talking to people. But like making it more and more about that, you know, like yeah. it wasn't like I wasn't, but it was like, OK, like focus more on that, like focus more on like trying to get people to talk more, trying to get them feeling it included to it. Because it's not just a it's not a glass case that you're in is, you know, like you can reach out and touch somebody like it's fine. You know, um, you want to yeah. create a space where they feel like they're in the room and they right. have the opportunity to. It's a very odd kind of art form where it feels like a conversation, even right. though it's a monologue. Right. And, right. and setting them up to feel like they can be a part of it if they want to be. And even taking some of your jokes and even just changing the way you set mm-hmm. them up mm-hmm. to be more conversational yep. or to allow crowd work to not be this open ended thing that could go anywhere, but using crowd work to be a setup to yeah. the next joke that you yeah. want to get into yeah. is a definitely like a learned skill. And yeah. it might not be a natural way for the joke to work in a normal 12 minute set, but for a 10 minute opener spot, it makes them feel like they're in the space. Right. And, and I think that that's the reason why it, I, I, I'm not the person, I'm not the cart before the horse person because I felt like it was too overwhelming for me. Yeah. It was too overwhelming to do like, especially since like back then I was doing improv. I mean, we were doing improv and like, so, uh, you know, like doing all that shit. I was going to ask you started maybe six months before me. Cause I would come to TFM's when I was in class and you were already on a gun called Christopher Walken, mm-hmm. which was, I think your first improv team yeah, yeah, or yeah. first house team. Yeah. What do you remember from those kind of shows in that era when you had like, you're brand new, you just got added to this team. You'd been taking classes for a couple months. Mm-hmm. You're saying you like, you black out a lot of like sets or scenes just to like disassociate. Mm-hmm. Do you remember any shows or do scenes from like five years ago, four yeah. years ago stand out to you? Yeah. 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 Actually like, um, just the other day I was like thinking about a, 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 a improv, an improv scene that like actually made me chuckle. It was like, uh, I remember we were, we were inmates. Like it was like me and a few other people. I think Ben Corman was in there and a guy named Tom and, uh, I think something happened where, like, I was just, like, lurking in the back. And they didn't even realize I was there. So, like, it was a genuine scare whenever I said something. Yeah. Like, they were like, oh, shit. Like, they, like, legit. And my character was about juices. (laughs) Like, as gross gross (laughs) as that sounded, I was just like, I like juice and the smell of juice. And one of the inmates just got done drinking grape juice. And I was like, no, it was, like, pickle juice or something like that. And I I was like... 
I smell juice on your mouth. And like, and like, he was like, no, no, I definitely wasn't. And it, it is like, it was like, it was like that, um, that like as type of thing. It's like, yeah. it's like a, this inmate is like, pretty much like this is drugs. I, instead of drugs, it was like juice. This is what like, I like, where the fuck is the juice? And I was like, you know, like trying to squeeze it out of him. It was like a really ridiculous scene. Um, but I remember it was like that was I think that was the set that made me want to become a comedian because like at first it was just like all blind shit of just like okay you're just doing it and you're just trying to figure it out get a laugh then, here get a laugh there yeah, yeah but like at that point it was like oh if you just go a hundred percent on something even as weird as it sounds as stupid as it sounds if you just play it as real to you like and you believe in it and like yeah. you're trying to do it, it like you find different little mini nuances to things. That like people are like, oh, that's like me, but I'm not the juice guy. But like, I mean, <laughs> but like, I've been on drugs before, and I've wanted to be like, where's the coke? You know, like, or or if I haven't been like that, I've seen that. I've seen that in the movie. I've seen that person. I know before. that character. Yeah, so it's like it's it, being able to make it. Re- that's basically what I mean. Like a lot of what comedy is is like it's like okay, like I get it. Like I, I get this this comparison of the two without saying like it's like this. No, you're just like it, the magic trick is like you describing being addicted to juice is making a joke about addiction. Here's the experience and here's how exactly. it connects to you exactly in a exactly. different way and yeah, making yeah. it light. Right. Right. I mean, like I, I have a joke about, uh, how I, how I'm sexually attracted to sandwiches and, and to, to hey, see man, them. I moment. get it. I've done a, sh- a whole show here at unplanned with right. a sandwich. Right. Exactly. A talking looking, sandwich. They're good looking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> To to see like the audience go what and then like and then be like it's super awkward to try to tell my parents I'm sexually attracted to sandwiches. Now I'm making a comparison to trying to can to tell my parents that I'm gay. Come out, yeah. But yeah, it's the same thing. So like having that realization is so much fun because like some people like will literally yell out like oh shit like it's like it's like one of those things. Uh, it, it's super fun to do that. Yeah. We do a segment on the show every week called Always Improving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's brought to our brought to us by our friends at the Greenbrier Treatment Center. Um, it's the question that I ask all my guests. It's what can we do to improve the human condition here on Earth for everybody? I think that uh, I think especially men. I think that we need to. I think that men need to uh, go around saying "I love you" to each other. Yeah, I'm dead ass. Like, I, like I, I think that's a great I, I, answer. I like it's it's weird. I don't know why it's becoming more prevalent. The moment that I had that real like that revelation, I had that revelation like a year and a half ago, um, and I started doing it to my friends, which is like, uh, it was weird at first. You know, a lot of people were like, "Are you gay? Like, what the hell? <laughs> what are you talking about?" Sure, but like it's like, no, dude. Like, I seriously love you. I want I want the best for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, trying to figure out what can I do to help you on your journey to where you need to be and i don't want anything back i just want to make sure that you know you're good you know how do i make your life better um i think helps out so much more it's not just a hug it's not just a you know hey are you good it's a you know i'm invested in you you know what i'm saying like and that, that's i also like carry that into comedy like it's just like you know going up to like these new comics even older comics and just being like you know, just talking about their sets and just like, you know, talking about their life and being like, okay, like, how are you good? Are you good? And you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh, being genuinely, you know, uh, 
concerned for them and being, you know, invested in them. I think, you know, you see the difference in people because, like, in a way, I think that, especially me, whenever I was, like, younger, I was always suspicious of people. Because, like, whenever people were like, oh, I want to be your friend, I was like, I don't trust that shit because of my experiences in life. Um, and I get that sometimes of people being like, uh, you know, I don't trust you for trying to be invested. And I'm like, dude, I don't want anything from you. You know what I'm saying? I'm just actually like, I'm trying to give really, unconditionally. I'm actually interested. I'm actually interested in your life. I want to figure out like, what are you working on? I don't want to hear about like the girls you fucking or anything else like that. I want to hear about what are you working on to get better? If you don't, if you're not talking to me about that, then I don't really have time for you then. Like that's, that's basically what it is. It's just like, it's like, cause on the, on the flip note, whenever you're telling people that like I'm invested in you, I want to do that. It, there are people who try to take advantage of that. And it means that like, cause I've done this, this one guy at my job that was like, uh, at one of my day jobs. And he was like, uh, he, he, he was very appreciative. And the next day he was like, Hey, come to Chicago with me. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, I have this rapper or whatever. And you know, like we're going to try to do a show you know, in Chicago or whatever. I was like, this is, what? No. Hold and, on. Like, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, yeah, just like, you know, like, it's going to cost like $200 or whatever. I was like, what? How did, wait, okay, Hold first on. of all, you were asking me to come help out on the show and it cost me $200 to help out? What? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? It's an adopt a rapper program. What? And we yeah, got you yeah, adopt up. a rapper for $200 a day. You can, you can help can the get his mixtape out. Mix tapes. Like, what the fuck? You like, can it, afford to yeah. press a and whole this, trunk full of mixtapes <laughs> for $200. It's just a rapper on the beach. Yeah. Just, just mixtapes is washing up on the shore. You like real hip hop? Oh, yeah. You like real hip hop? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> No, but like this guy was like, yeah, I'm trying to manage these rappers and everything. And I was like, okay, so who are you studying? And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, what manager are you, are you studying? Like, who are you studying? That's like, how do you make yourself better? And he's like, oh, I never thought about that. And I was like, you got to think about that. You got to you got to know these 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 managers. You have to know these different types of people. And that's why he asked me. He's like, oh, well, you know about you know all about music then. Like, so why don't you come on? I was like, dude, first of all, I'm a comedian. I don't want to do that shit. Second, I'm I don't know everything. No. I don't know everything about music. I don't know anything at all. It's just like a basic knowledge of like, how do I if I have clients, if I have people that I want to get their name out, how do I how do I get them? out to the people that they need to be heard well, and who has the job you want study how they got that job exactly exactly it, and, and i just quickly realized that this guy is just trying to scam people yeah and it, so you have to realize that like going around telling people i love you you also have to be uh and having that 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 energy of like i want to help you out you also have to keep your eye open for like okay is this person trying to screw me over too that, that, that's, it still sucks that way. Like, you know, there's always going to be people who use people and people who lie right. and things like that. And you hope by being genuine and telling people you love them and being invested in other people on this planet that it doesn't bite you in the ass all the time. Right. Because it sucks when it does. Right. It sucks to give of yourself to other people and have it not reciprocated, whether mm -hmm. it's through business d dynamics or, you know, personal relationships. But 
having the strength to continue to put your heart out there and invest in people is, I think, ultimately what we need to do as a society right, right. to get better and yeah. to be able to tell other men and other women that you love them and not be looking for anything else. anything from yeah. it other than to tell another human being that they matter right. and that what they're doing is important. And if they need to talk to somebody, you're there for them. Right, right, right. Yeah. I love that, man. That's a great answer. And yeah. not that all the other answers aren't good, but that might be my favorite answer we've gotten here in a while. Thank so you. Thank you. you're welcome. And yeah. Always Improving is brought to us by the Greenbrier Treatment Center. You can reach them at greenbrier.net at 1-800-637-HOPE. 1-800-637-HOPE, their phone number. They are restoring hope and recovering lives. There are many options to pay for drug and alcohol rehab with or without insurance. Just contact Greenbrier Treatment Center at greenbrier.net. How has stand up been for you recently? You know, like, where have you, like, uh, how have you been working on, like, trying to better yourself in stand up and stuff like that? So it's been nice coming into the back end of this year. At the beginning of the year, I said I wanted to accomplish three things. There were, there were three sets of bookers that I wanted to work for that I hadn't yet, mm -hmm. and I've gotten two out of three. Nice. And there was one venue that I hadn't gotten yet, which was Club Cafe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So last weekend, I hosted a Club Cafe for the hey, first time. Nice. was very happy to get that one nice. off the list. A really fun lineup. Colin Chamberlain, Christina McNeese, Vanessa yeah. St. Clair, um, James J. Hamilton, Mike yeah. Sass, and James Phelps put it together. And then this past day, I just hosted at the Arcade, which is the first time I, I was thinking about it. I don't think I've ever hosted a show at Arcade before. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been on a ton of lineups, but... It was the one year anniversary of their opening weekend at the mm -hmm. new space. Yeah, and yeah, to yeah. be able to host a lineup, like I mentioned Homiak and Osha when you brought them up earlier, but Aaron Kleiber, Jason Clark, and Jesse Irvin were all on the show. And it was really a fun, just a fun green room and a sold out crowd and a nice time to be up there and get to host and close on a new joke yeah. like the audience was having a good time and i felt confident enough that i'm like right. let me play with something new and they yeah. loved it and you know you just keep the energy going throughout the show but it's such a cool space and i've always really liked being able to host lineups now that i, I mean i'm getting booked to do other stuff mm -hmm. but hosting is still kind of how a lot of people see me and i'll be happy to continue to take that because I haven't been able to give as much time to the open mic stuff mm -hmm. as I've wanted to of late. Right. So I have these newer jokes, but I started a new job in the spring that has kind of taken up more of my time than I would have expected. And I'm trying to find that balance now that I'm six months in and kind of know my new industry a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But I've also been able to do some acting this work, which was another goal at the beginning of the year because I did Craig Quitz's day job yeah. when we were still doing improv stuff together. And then as I kind of made that transition in 2015 to stand up, I hadn't done as much acting. So I did two episodes of a TV show that shot out in Altoona called Almost Grown Ups that's available on YouTube, Stone nice. Man Productions. Yeah, and they're trying to shop that out and see what happens with it. But it's very cool to be able to be on set for a week each episode and get to work with a ton of really talented actors here in town. Right. So it's been good. I'm trying to figure out what the goals are for next year, comedy-wise. I'd right. like to kind of take my... 15 ish that I feel good about mm -hmm. and really try to stretch that out to the point where it's a good feature 20 to 25 minute set. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can then try to position myself in a way that I have my reel together. I have my good submission tape to try to look at festivals, try to look mm -hmm. at some more touring opportunities. Right. I'm always trying to write, but I'm somebody who continues to fall back on 
playing the room and playing the hits because I'm doing showcases more than open mics. Right, right, right. And it's rare to be in a position like last night for me where I'm like, this is going so well that I'm going to try something I've never done right, before right. on stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we're, we're reaching that age now. Like, this, yeah. that's the weird part. Like, I, I just woke up thinking like, oh, we're no longer the newbies. Right. We, like, There's a I lot mean, of like, people who started after us now. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't know why I'm just now working up at that. Like, I, I, I'm now realizing that I, I, we are now the the people who, do you remember, like, whenever we first started out and, like, there's certain people who are just like, oh, like, the scene is, like, this Illuminati type of thing <laughs> where you yeah. have to pretty much, you know, give up your ass to, <laughs> to get on the show. Now people look at us that way. Like, it's it's kind of weird. It's just like, it's... So I think that that's why I'm kind of doubling down. I'm like, okay, I want to make sure that these these guys are welcome and they feel like, yeah. you know... Because, uh, but that being aside... But that's that mentorship um, attitude. That that attitude of nobody does it on their own that you were yeah. just kind of talking about with right. always improving is finding a way to invest in other people because it does matter. Nobody's going to be in a position where they can't give back should they so choose. If one of us makes it and there's an opportunity to put people on a writing staff, I'm sure that you having gotten to write with the people on secondhand sketch is going to benefit you to be like, of course Ian's at the top of my list of people I would think of if I needed a writer's room. Yeah. Yeah. And then also like, I think that realizing that there's always, 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 and I guarantee it's going to happen next year. There's always going to be a new guy that's going to be shooting from the hip. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be like, it's going to be the newest, biggest thing. And last, this this past year, it was Nate, it was Nate Nolf. Everybody, like, he showed up. And I was like, okay, this guy's funny. And nobody knew where he came from. He just showed up, did his thing. And, uh, you know, whenever you're being shitty to those people, those people rise up. And then they're going to remember you. Like, they're yeah. going to remember that shit. They're just going to be like, yeah, I remember that shit. Because I still have a list of people who are <laughs> shitty to me. And every single time when I'm at a mic, they're just like, they're like, oh, yeah, hey, how you doing and everything? I'm like, yeah, I remember you, motherfucker. Like, you know, like, 2015. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm petty as fuck. No, but I mean, like, it's 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 just one of those things. Um, oh, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. But, uh, oh, um, developing, I this is, so I look at stand-up, like, boxing. Right. Uh, I think that because like there's there's a lot of jaded comics that are not a lot of jaded comics. There's there's some jaded comics that are starting to really act out right now. And and I think what's happening is they are doing just a lot of shitty mics. Mm-hmm. And whenever they're doing a lot of shitty mics and they're going back home and they go on to Facebook, which Facebook is the devil. You go on to the face. You go on Facebook and you see everybody's accomplishments and stand up. And now they're becoming like that villain. You know what I'm saying? Like they're becoming like that, that, that justified villain. Cause they're doing like scarps and everything. And they're just like, you know, uh, they're like, Oh, I got to keep on doing these. Cause that's what they think. They keep on thinking that I'm going to keep on doing these shitty mics and then somebody's going to notice me and they're going to put me on a show. That's not how it works at all. Like it's just not, there's that. nobody from a and R talent at scarps. Right. There's not coming to the ham bones. Even. Right. Yeah. They're, they're just not here in Pittsburgh. Aaron Kleiber's not there. You right. know what I'm saying? Like nobody, like Chuck Krieger's not there. These do gatekeepers their rooms, are do their rooms. Um, yeah, getting in front of Derek is good. Getting in front of uh, John is good. However, I think that the cheat code is. By the way, they have 50 people coming in. They're not going to remember everybody. No. Uh, 
they might remember you like, okay, that was good, but I'm not going to put you on a show yet because I still have a backlist of everybody else. I think the show, I think the, the cheat code is just doing a variety of different mics. And so like whenever I brought a boxing, I feel like whenever you're just doing shitty mic after shitty mic after shitty mic, you're just working your, you're just working your one muscle. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like if you're not doing like the Tuesdays on hand bones, like, which is like not even an open mic. The music uh, showcase. It's, yeah. music showcase. It's, like, it's like, if you do those things, you're in front of a new audience and you're you're working that muscle of like, okay, I'm in front of a new audience that's actually listening to me. Right. Not in scarps where I'm like trying to make jokes so I don't get killed. Like it's like <laughs> one of those things. If you're not doing that shit, then like, you know, if you're mixing that stuff type of stuff up. So like that's whenever I do, whenever I'm trying to develop uh, you know, fifteen to twenty to twenty five, I'm like, okay, uh doing comedy on the rocks on Friday. If I can't like like you, I can't do every single night anymore. I just can't. Like no, I don't have schedules I'm, don't I'm, allow. Yeah, it, like it's that. It, it, yeah, there's um, burnout that comes at it's some burnout, point too. You're burned out. Like it's just like a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, I will make sure that I'm okay. I'm there on Monday. I'm possibly I'm right there on Tuesday. I'm there on Thursday. Friday. Friday is the number one thing because you get ten minutes. You get ten sure. minutes to do it. Uh, and then, you know, like as you're developing the type of stuff, maybe on Monday you're doing three minutes of new material. Take that a Tuesday. You expand that a little bit to four minutes. See you how know, it fits into yeah, the other yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, just trying to figure that out. I think that people aren't thinking that way. You know, like people sure. aren't thinking of like how do I how do I balance this, how do I balance that, you know, in a technical level. Um, you know, I think that goes a long way. And I think that, you know, whenever I'm seeing like younger comics or like comics who aren't getting any success in comedy i think that they're not getting i think that they're not being technical in that way of being like well okay let me throw that out because it might have worked a year ago sure but it's dead now you know i'm like i will do a month i will give a joke i'll give a new joke two tries okay if it doesn't work i'm done like it's just like it's like i'm done it's over like the moment's gone it's not funny to me anymore sure i'm not having fun unless if like and even it sucks because like if I'm doing like a hurry up and say something funny show, or if I'm doing like a ad lib on a, at a random show, uh, it would be genius at that moment. Oh, sure, to be able to throw it there. But you can't regain that shit. You just can't. Like it's like it. There was something going on in that room that can't leave that room, and it sucks ass that you can't. It sucks, but it's kind of cool about comedy too, right, right. in the way for the audience and the comedian that some moments aren't reproducible. Right. That right. it is authentic to what happened in the moment, in right. the room, when right. it was there. And yeah. they get to tell that story if they want to for yeah. forever. Yeah. I like those sorts. Of, it's nice. And you try to figure out ways to take some of them mm-hmm. and you'll get a few that might translate to a good tag down the road. Right. But some of them are just that. They're those, you know, live tracks that you yeah. get to throw in on your phone. Do you still tape your sets? Do you still every record everything? Do you listen every back? Is that what's in the earphone when you're pacing? No, I just listen to music. Like I don't, I don't ever listen to myself. Yeah. Uh, the day of, I okay. don't even do it. Like I, I mean, I, I will, I will rehearse things. Like I'll be like, I rehearse like certain punchlines. I'll tweak certain things. I'll be like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do that. Like blah blah blah. But then, while, as I'm listening to music, it's just more like a rhythmic. I forgot who I was talking. Uh, Terry Jones. Mm. I was talking to, which I thought it was just me, but he was like, he was like, comedy is like music. He talked about it here on this podcast last year. Yeah. Yeah. It blew me away because like, I was like, I thought I was the only one who's thinking that way. Cause if I'm listening to music, it sets my presence on how I'm going to be doing on stage. Sure. If I'm listening to like loud music and it's bumpy and it's heavy and everything. Yeah. I'm going to be energy as fuck. If it's going to be low energy, it's like a cheat code for me to like, okay, this is a low energy room. 
let me listen to like some smooth like lower energy music Bring to me match down to them. them yeah because if i'm not there you know what i'm saying like i can't get there you might I scare them out music, yeah you know? yeah it's just like you can't be just showing up what up motherfuckers and they're like hey i'm at a i just came from we a, are sipping on yeah. some nice wine right right <laughs> i just came from barnes and nobles uh <laughs> listening to npr uh <laughs> this is not okay <laughs> but yeah um yeah, it's. I, I think that, you know, uh, I forgot what I was thinking. I don't, even, I don't even know what I was thinking. I'm just saying words. Well, you're doing a great job at thanks, it. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I try. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I know you've gotten the chance to work. We mentioned Secondhand Sketch a little bit earlier. You guys have your five-year anniversary show coming up in December? Yep, 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 yep. That is insane. Do you, <laughs> at, at this point, do you have a preference for live shows versus the tape sketches that you get to do? I love live shows. Yeah? I love acting on stage. If, if I wasn't a stand-up, I would have been an actor on stage. Like, that, that's just one of my favorite things to do. It's just like, there's an energy about that. Yeah. The, the, there's a different kind of energy about being in front of a camera. Um, I think it's all about you. Whenever you're in front of a camera, because you're like figuring out your facial, uh, your facial uh, movements, uh, the little minute things. Where like whenever you're on stage, you're projecting and you're trying to, you're trying to get the energy filled out into people. Like whenever I'm projecting, I'm trying to fill up, I'm trying to fill up my voice into somebody else's chest. Okay. You know, um, and I think that's the that's the difference. So I, I I love that a lot more. I love the accidents that we have on stage. It's secondhand sketch is one of those teams that like we are notorious for having something go wrong on stage and we just make it funnier <laughs> uh the first time that happened it was like me and derek i remember like it was it was a sketch called racist principle i've seen it before sure yeah yeah where i was like the the principal well i was the uh, superintendent or whatever and like he just kept on doing ra- racist shit on accident or whatever and i would pull out a a bottle of whiskey on stage and I would take a sip, just one sip. And then I remember Derek was like, I want that. So he just took it and he starts drinking it. And I was like, get that back. And like I grabbed it from him and I started drinking too. So we're just taking whiskey to the head just back pulls. and forth <laughs> while delivering lines and just going off and everything. And like the sound cues are going off and people are throwing stuff at us, you know, like things that are supposed to be happening in the sketch. But then like at one point, I remember we were so drunk that we forgot where we were even in the sketch. <laughs> And we just started doing, like, based off of our character, we were just doing more shit that was even funnier than the sketch. And that was just so much fun. Another nice. time at Unplanned Comedy, uh, we had a, because we always have a sketch where, like, everybody everybody's on stage. And one of the tables collapsed. <laughs> and Mindy Cooper, like, climbed up on the table and, it like, she slid down. And just that moment of her sliding down, we can't recreate again. It's, like, one of those things. That I, I, I think that that's... Basically, what I love about comedy is like the things that you can't recreate. I, I this is an odd therapy session. Yeah. <laughs> this is becoming an odd therapy session. Yeah. Well, sometimes, and it happened on your birthday. Comedy just happens in the room, like the mop story yeah, happening yeah, 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 when yeah. we were at what was that Bloomfield Bridge Tavern? Once yeah. upon a time, those sorts of things that are funny because we were all there together. That's what I think a lot of us strive for in comedy is taking those moments, taking those stories, taking, even if it was just, you were there and you thought it taking it and trying to bring it and show it to everybody on stage is very cool to be able to showcase those moments of your life to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and going back to like, you know, crowd work shows, 
that's why it sucks. Because, like, if you have a really fun, I mean, uh, hurry up and say something funny. I keep on, like, trying to make people come to that shit. Because, I mean, even though, like, it's a packed room every single time. Yeah. I want more people to come to it and I want people to follow it because this is comedy that you're never going to see again. It, it's, it's just one of those things that, like, everybody goes to. They're having a good time. Uh, I love to antagonize people. Yeah. Get them a little bit riled up and then and then compliment them in the same vein. And they can't be mad about it. <laughs> like they can't be mad. I told a guy like there was a guy that was like crossing his legs and it, like in a very like proper way while everybody else had their legs open, like just like, you know, man spreading and everything. And I was like, this guy has the biggest dick in the room. He's able to hide it too. Right. Like, yeah, like I was like, I, I was like, and, like you know, like I was, I was like, look <laughs> at this guy. He's like cross, crossing his legs. He's looking like really like beta male right now because he's trying to lower his masculinity right now because he's slinging dick in the sack. And like <laughs> and everybody was like done and everything. And like this guy wanted to get mad, but then I kept on doubling down, like, you know what you're doing in the bedroom. Like, you know, like and he just kept on like, you know, he wanted to get mad at me, but I was like, ah, you can't, you know, I was making fun of his date and everything, and like he just kept on like you know, you want to get mad, but I was like, dude, but you're going to go home and you're going to do better than all of us. Like you're going to, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I, I can't like, I can't recreate it now because it doesn't make any sense. But like, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that like I wish. And that's why I want more comics to do that type of show. Cause like, it's, yeah. I want, I wish, I wish there was another show like it to be really. more crowd work based. Yeah. Because yeah. like I, I, I am sick and tired of hearing comics being like, I'm nervous about this shit. I don't want that, mm-hmm. that you should not have, a thing you should not be feeling nervous about doing a show like that this is your job this is what you want to do this is not like and i think that a lot of comics starting out they're just like you know um within two years if i'm not big then i'm not doing. you're wasting your time then you're not not doing it for comedy right you're doing it to get famous right you're doing it to get famous and like there's nothing wrong with it but like yeah there's something wrong with that I, I mean, hey, being if that's famous what you want. would be being famous would be nice. I right. I'd like to be the best comic. Right. I right. I don't want to be famous for fucking up something. Yeah. You can. There are a lot of people who are famous who don't right. have any notable skills. Right. 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 Yeah. And and I mean, but it's I, a process, and you have to enjoy those little minute details of it's funnier when I say this word versus that word. Right. Or if I flip these two tags, this joke works. And if I do them the other way, mm-hmm. it doesn't. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, if there's any new comics listening, I really do, uh, you know, encourage to just really figure out that type of shit, you know, like that. it's really fun to do it. Well, and know? crowd work doesn't mean one thing. You can try to do it every month and still have a different plan of attack when you yeah. go up there. Oh yeah. Every single time this month, I'm going to do interviews and really talk to them about mm-hmm. what's going on this month. I'm going to roast them mm-hmm. this month. I'm going to kind of just pay attention to the five comics before me and pay attention to what jokes and then build on those. Like you were saying, yes. And their material mm-hmm. and kind of take mm-hmm. it to talk to the same people. Yeah, yeah. There are different routes to enjoy that sort of a lineup. And there's a trick to that too, because like I've done one where like, I was like, I'm going to make it about me, but I'm still going to bring people in on it. So like every single time, whenever I talk about something on stage that I'm focused on, like, let's say like, okay, I want to talk about my girl and I want to talk about my relationship with it and how weird it is. How do I get somebody in on it? Okay, there's couples in the audience because that's a couple show. I don't know why the hell there's a couple show. There's a whole bunch of couples that come to the show. I don't know why they do this. And the first yeah. time dates too. I don't know why the hell they do this. Like, right. and, this will be fun. It's so weird. It's like, it's either the dude or the, or the woman who are just like bringing in these new dates. And I'm like, why do you bring these guys in here? 
so Stra- stress listen, test them. See how they right, handle yeah, that kind right. of nervous energy. It's yeah. not a bad move if you're I on a date with somebody. It, on a first date, really? Well, it's, a, it's an asshole move. Yeah, it's a very it's, asshole move. And, <laughs> and, and, and they keep on doing it. We rip on them. But, like, uh, you know, bringing them in on that and being like, well, you know how that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, what you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, talking back to them and and getting them to realize that, like, okay, to some degree in their relationship, they have the same weird shit that I have. Right. You know? Uh, and this is another skill that, you know, I don't know, man. I'm rambling too much. I've only gotten to do that show once because it's on Thursday nights and I host uh, Zoch Trivia over at the Beer Hive at 7 o'clock on Thursdays. Yeah. Um, but I did take it off one week. I had a sub come in because I had been asked to do the show and I, I really wanted to. And I remember Kleiber went up and Crush City did really, really well. And then they threw up a guest set from an out-of-town comic. <laughs> Did well, but did more material stuff. Yeah. You know, it was fine. Yeah. And so then I kind of, like you were saying, you kind of assess the room and you see how things have been going. So I was like, we have to go higher energy. I had, I was like, I misunderstood. I thought you guys were going to just yell sexually aggressive things at me. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to compliment you back. So that's, I just played this game of cat and mouse of right. them yelling right. ni- nice tits. And like, hey, your mom's really, you know, polite. That yeah, just yeah. was stupid. Right, it's stupid. But kill it for two minutes at that. And then get into something else. But now right. you've at least defused whatever situation happens by somebody not doing crowd work or at least right. gets them back into the mindset of what the show is. Right, right. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I really encourage people not to do material there. And and, yeah. and Dom, Dom, the showrunner there, he says like, you don't have to, you know, you can do material. But that crowd knows they, they they just know they know yeah. the difference between what is crowd work and what is material because like there was a guy from california last time which is funny because like i met him on tuesday uh because secondhand sketch was meeting and we went to this random bar and he showed up because wait no we went to um matt parsons room oh okay just a drink and he was there because he was doing a set there and i met him and we were talking blah blah, blah. and then i think two days later on thursday I saw him again and he just like looked at me like I wasn't anybody. And I was like, okay, all right, whatever, man. And then, uh, Noted. and that add was him the, to the list. Right. I mean, no, it wasn't Adam to the list. <laughs> it was Adam to the list, but like, it was like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. all right, that's LA. Um, and he went up at, at, uh, at the show on, uh, on her been say something funny on Thursday and he did his material and ate shit. I mean, ate bad. shit bad. And nobody, like, nobody even looked, nobody even patted him on the back. Like, nobody, this guy, it's, it was sad. It was like an orphan walking down the street and nobody knew he existed. <laughs> People were just running him over. Like, nobody gave a shit. And, you know, you have, like, Alex Homiak up there crushing and everybody else. And it's, like, embarrassing. Sure. And then, like, That's the worst feeling in the world when everybody else does well and <laughs> right, it's you. Right, right. And you're like, and oh, then, it's just me. They don't like Right, right, right. And then I went up and I crushed. And then he, out of nowhere he just magically knew who i was like and i was like wow dude and then he's like yeah but if you go to la man i'll put you on shows and everything i was like i really don't want to do your shows because like because imagine they're good like just like not because like like even his material i was like because i got the i got the luxury of seeing him again do the same material sure and i was like yeah it's still not good like i was like i was like i don't want to do your room then i don't want to like he's like he was talking big shit and i was like all right man all right i don't know I don't want to tell you, like, like if he was more friendly up front, like I would have been like, yeah, man, we're all working on it. But like, whenever you're walking around, like you have a big, big dick, it's like not. It's it's cool to like be confident in yourself. Of course. It's another thing to be like, I'm above you. 
You know what I'm saying? That's the other thing. Being but, good doesn't necessarily mean you don't still strive to be humble. Right. And not talk down to people, not condescend to them. Exactly. Not look for, like, only giving people attention when you think they have something to trade or yeah, value. Right, right. And that's, that's fucked up to me. Because, like, sure. you know, I'm, I, I, I want to ride with people whenever they suck. You know what I'm saying? Like That's when you should walk, be riding with your people. Get off, yeah, whenever people get off stage and they feel uncomfortable, I, man, I'll be making jokes about it. Like, yeah, man, that suck dick, didn't it? Yeah, okay, not your best. <laughs> yeah, it's not the best. You know what I'm saying? But you wipe it off. Tomorrow's gonna be another day. You still get you know? the chance to get up there and right. talk. Right. Not right. everybody has the strength to do that. Right. It takes a lot of skill just to get up there some days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't feel like it. I, I talk too much, so I just yeah. don't. It's like it's. I just need to get it out. So it's not even like a courage thing. Like people tell me that they're like, oh man, like. So courageous. I was like, dude, people should tell me to get off. Like, right. like this is just get just off stage. Wrap it up. Stop talking. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to. I don't want you to do it. I should not get paid to do this. <laughs> I really shouldn't. You had um, talked maybe six months a year ago when you and I were chatting about possibly relocating to New York. Obviously, film work is there. Um, what's kind of your timetable or thoughts now? You grew up here in Pittsburgh. What's mm-hmm. your uh, What's your thought on the Steel City versus the Big Apple? Um, I've been going up to New York a lot more often. Um, uh, half because of comedy, half because I have a girlfriend up there. Um, Brag so, about it, uh, huh? Brag about it. I no, no. I'm, I mean, it's I'm not happy even, for it. Yeah, <laughs> but like teasing. it's yeah, but like I mean, like people are like, oh, you're going up for like shows. I'm like, no, this time I'm just going for my girl. So it's not like it's not like I'm you know blah blah. blah. But um, I think that I think it's it, it's you already know it's it's way more harder to do in New York. Sure, it's way more harder. You don't fucking matter in New York. And and I love that. <laughs> like, I kind of love that. I love that it doesn't matter. It means that I have to strive a lot more harder to do what I have to do. Because I'll see comics that go up and that would own Pittsburgh. Sure. And and people are just not even paying attention to these people. Don't even turn their heads. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, man. Like, how do I figure this out? Like, it, it's, it's terrifying. It's really terrifying. But, um... Yeah, I'm still up for that challenge. Um, I still want to make Pittsburgh because uh, at first I thought that I I hit the ceiling in Pittsburgh because I did all the shows that I wanted to do, but then it's like oh, but now you get to produce shows, now you get to put people on that like you wanted to put on and like people that you think are like you know on the same vein as you and like you know you uh, you can you can help people out and they'll help you out and like you know develop a uh, a relationship with that because I'm pretty cagey. I'm very like you know I just show up, do my thing, and I leave. It's now trying to figure out how to how to do all these different. You know, like for me, like I was just there for the comedy. Like I was like, I just want to figure this out. Like it was like an itch. Like, I was like, I don't really want to worry about the next. To figure out the like, business who, yet. Yeah, because I don't want to figure out like people's different. You know, like oh, I got to figure out this guy's personality and like this guy's always telling me to quit comedy and I don't really want to. I really don't want to hear that. Like, I, I don't like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's why, like, I'm very slow at, like, doing certain things. It's like, you know, I don't want to learn how to host yet. Now, now I'm at that age where I'm like, okay, now I can, now I can learn how to host because yeah. before I need to learn how to be funny. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up a whole entire room as a host. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to trust myself on doing that. So doing two years of hurry up and say something funny is basically being a host. Yeah. It's basically you just using those in. same muscles, right? It's the same muscles, except you're, you know, you're, you're bringing up comics and you're having a little bit more stamina than that. Uh, yeah. I mean like just trying to figure all that type of stuff out was like way more important, um, to try to figure out 
everybody else. Now I'm at that vein of like, okay, now I want to sit down and talk to people. Now I want to do that. Now, and, it, and I feel bad for like, you know, people did perceive me as an asshole in that way because I didn't really want to talk to anybody. I didn't really want to be around anybody because like just experiencing what's going on in Pittsburgh is just it's it's not the best city man sometimes it's no not. sure i mean especially i mean like you know like just what happened a few, you know it's it's rough it's rough and and you know it sucks that people some people are surprised whenever that you know stuff like that happens in pittsburgh and it's like it's been under the surface you know and we've been trying to tell you like listen if you're any type of anything and if people know that you are that they're it, gonna they're gonna they're gonna get you on that shit yeah like, it's it's it sucks. It really does. It really does. And I think it's hard. And this episode will come out on election day. So hopefully there is some good news in, in the world. But it's been very difficult, I think, for people to continue to be surprised. by, like we talked about before, like trying to invest in people and love people. There are a lot of people who have supported conservative agendas in our country for a long time that may, on the surface, look you in the eyes, shake your hand, tell yep. you that they're with you, tell you that they support you. But if their votes and their actions don't dictate that, it's very tough to continue to go out there and put yourself out there to people like that, right. knowing full well that they may not have your best interest at heart, knowing right. that what they say in private is not always the same thing that they would say to your face. Exactly. And that's when that's whenever you start to develop like a paranoia. Sure. Like no matter who you are, you just develop this paranoia. Even like, I think even white, even white men have a paranoia now. Like I think everybody has a paranoia now. They're just like, oh shit, like everybody hates me. Like they're gonna try to kill me. Like all this other shit, and uh, and 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 it's it's just scary in this in this city because like I've seen people tell certain type of jokes to me. And and it's weird because it's like, do you know who I am? Like I, I <laughs> like I, I, you're doing this to me. You're well, talking sure. about my race. Um, and even as somebody who's blonde haired and blue eyes, people don't always connect that I'm Jewish. Right. So they'll. It's been easy to be like, oh, sure, that's a joke that you felt compelled to tell exactly, me. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Noted. Right. Right. And you. And then. And then something like this happens, and then now you see that same person be like, oh, this is awful, and everything else. And I'm like, okay, it's greatly different a joke and what happened is greatly different however if that's in you to do that type of stuff right you know that somebody else is way lower than you you know like on that scale of thinking of okay i'm not going to do something like that we'll do that shit so i can't i cannot i it's hard to think i'm surprised sure you know, it, it was it, it really broke my heart to see something like that. Like, it was like, I don't even know what to say. It always hits harder when it's in your neighborhood. Right. And I had I obviously the situations are different, but I had moved to Pittsburgh, I think, a year before Freddie Gray and the police right. incident there. But obviously with Antoine Rose this year here in Pittsburgh and now the massacre at the Tree yeah. of Life Synagogue last week, it it's very tough to see that very little will be done ultimately right. uh, without putting people in political positions to do anything. Right. And you hope that decisions are made to the benefit of everyone. But when the bare minimum, it feels like is just denouncing anti-Semitism, just saying these people are not equal to us. Hate is not an acceptable uh, route to take with us. Mm -hmm. There will always be people that don't look at, Jewish people or black people as equal to them. Mm -hmm. That's the way of the world. And yeah. you can't, the, 
the battle for hearts and minds is very real, mm-hmm. but sometimes it becomes too big of an uphill battle to try exactly. and feel like we can win it in our lifetime. Right. And I think I, whenever I was a kid, um, because of my experiences, I was like, okay, how do I figure out how to cure this? And yeah. at first stand up was like that for me. Like sure. That was, like, that was like one of the next, cause like it was film. And then, you know, uh, I'm starting to realize that I'm not that much interested into film as I am into stand up. Uh, you know, trying to trying to cure it through stand up is like, it's not, it's not possible sometimes. Like, it, you know, if you find a bit that's like, you know, trying to flip an idea and try to get people to understand it, because a lot of my shows are out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> like are out out in the middle of Trump City, you know, like stuff like so. that, which is weird because those people, to be honest, are super super nice to me. You know, and, and that's where the paranoia comes in. This is like, okay, are they gonna like juice me up on this alcohol, and then like all of a sudden, you know, like call the police and be like, oh, he's drunk. You know, so you have to be on your best behavior in those er- in those areas. Um, I mean, I've done shows out in Castle Shannon where even just bringing up the idea that I'm Jewish, I've gotten this, the you feel the audience tighten up, right? They'll heckle you a little bit, it's, and it's like that's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Man. It is, but it isn't. But it, I had. The the quote unquote best friend that I had in seventh grade, his parents wouldn't let him come to my bar mitzvah. And it's like, I've been hanging out with your kids. We've been in scouts together. Like me and your son have been close for two or three years. Yeah. We're not trying to like sell him. We're not trying to convert him. We're just trying to say this is our event. We'd love to have you there and be a part of it. Yeah. I... People will look you in the eye and tell you that, oh, you know, and it's tough not to feel a little bit like the token sometimes when they reach out over things like this, but it's like, Hey, we're th- you're just like, I'm the only Jewish person they might know, or they might think of. Yeah. And that's nice that they're being sympathetic and that they're thinking about us, but right. it doesn't change if they're not active. There's, st- exactly. I still saw that they were posting about why Brett Kavanaugh should be the judge. I'm like, right. you still don't have my best interest. You don't have my family members who are gay or trans best yeah. interest at right. heart. You, right. What is the idea? I'm just I'm just trying to understand why people don't like the Jewish community. Is it because you? Is it because like the Jewish community is just like tight and has like their shit together? I don't like I, like what is it? I don't understand. Like a, to like from the black community from the black community, we look at the Jewish community and we're like, we want that. Sure, we want the ability to come together and work together. And have a community that's like, okay, we're helping each other out. We could, we wish to strive to that shit. We can't, but like, I mean, like, it's just what it is. For but, being one of the smaller sects, as far as like a group that receives hate that isn't that large of the population, there are, I think, statistically, the largest number of, I think at least my doctor told me this, like medical professionals, lawyers, people in advanced degree right. kind of situations. And I, I, I don't know, but I've had a lot of conversations in the last couple of weeks as far as where that sort of attitude comes from. And I don't know for sure. Some of it may be from a jealousy stand of, standpoint, because even in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the Jews are referred to as the chosen people. Mm-hmm. And regardless if, if your ultimate governance of how you live your life is through the faith and through religion, then there may be some of a why them, not me sort of yeah. an attitude, which yeah. I think is a lot of what frustrates people about programs like affirmative action or, or programs that are designed to help the population even out inequalities um, like welfare 
because why should they get any help? I have it hard. This attitude of, of this, everybody's tough. Why they're no different than me, assuming that we're all equal at the beginning of the game, which we're not. Um, some of it I think is, is swept up because of the rhetoric that comes out. And when you hear things like the fake media or Hollywood is the problem, Mm -hmm. Some of that to me is which, which quote unquote the Jews own. Correct. And that's, <laughs> I, I don't I don't hear anyone talking about it at a high level, but some of that to me comes across as coded language as far as these are who runs those industries. Right. The Jews run the news. The Jews run the Hollywood foreign press and the banks and all this stuff. And so if you're able to say it and not mean it like using the word boy or things like that to refer to African-Americans, yeah. you can you can have these sorts of ways of getting away with still having these hate words in your vocabulary because we both know what we mean. Right. Right. Exactly. I was at a wedding with a coworker and I brought this up last week with Amy and Tyler, but uh, a guy who I'd only met one time, uh, he was the fiance of, of a woman who worked for us, found out I was Jewish while we were at like the dinner reception after the wedding. And he was like, well, that's okay because all of uh, our Christian and Jewish brothers are, fighting the same enemy which by that he means muslims it certainly sounds like <laughs> by which he means muslims which i i don't have a problem with i my parents taught me to hate people for what comes out of their mouth and not what god they pray to and sure i will tell you that i don't like the taliban or a specific sect of you know extremists but we have a problem with extremists in our country too and yeah. i think for a lot of people And it's tough to see yourself as the bad guy. And in the history of America, we weren't always the good guys. Uh, White people weren't always the good guys in every situation. And I think it's tough for everyone to be self-aware enough to understand that they have had a hand or their ancestors have had a hand in genocides, in you know, subjugation of people in, in slavery and in a variety of less than stellar ways of us getting to this point. But America, in the way that it's set up, is not a game for white people to win. It's the goal of creating a society that doesn't have a religious oversight to how it's governed, has the freedom of opportunity for people to express ideas and to come here from all across the world. Mm-hmm. And that's the America that I am fighting to keep by continuing to support a ticket of people who are invested in giving rights to all people, protecting people who don't have the same opportunities that I do as a white man. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully by the time this episode comes out or a few hours afterwards, we will have the results of the election and there'll be some positivity heading to Washington. Yeah, I sure hope at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I've been kicking around this idea, um, uh, going back to like the Jewish community, do you think that it's because a lot of immigrants, uh, a lot of Jewish immigrants are coming here and whenever Jewish, I, I, this is where I, cause my girlfriend's Haitian okay, and, uh, something that I learned was like with just any kind of immigrants that come here. And also like one of my, one of my good friends is uh, a Muslim from Somalia. And whenever you come from a different country, you come to America, right? Your parents or you are coming here for a goal. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're just not here. Whenever you're born in America, you're just born in America. Yeah. You're just here. But whenever you're, whenever you're coming here for a goal, I want to do this. 
and 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 there's more people like you are trying to do this and they're like okay some people aren't necessarily letting us do this because you're encroaching on their territory i'm trying to i'm going to help you out you look out for me that whole type of mentality i think cuz like whenever you look at whenever you look at like uh, the Latina community that's growing in, in America, we're, we're giving that problem to them too. It's, it's like, oh, they're taking our jobs. They're, they're, it's it's blatant. It is very blatant. They're it becomes us jobs. versus them instead of how can it's, we help everybody? Right. Like it, yeah. I, I think that it's I think that it's the fear that since immigrants are coming here and and trying to make something out of themselves, they're only going to look out for themselves and they're only going to do this. Which I mean, to a degree, that I guess that. that that makes sense because it's like, okay, you're coming from the same area. We don't understand this area. We right. don't understand. Nobody actually ever stops at what, like, what is actually happening in Mexico? Nobody ever asked that question. Why are they coming here? Yeah, like, what there's can no, we do to support our neighbors? Right. Yeah. Right. Like, they're, they're, their goal is they just want to survive. Like, it's just like, it's it's ridiculous what's going down. On it. Which, by the way, America had a hand on why Mexico is fucked up in the first place. It, it, like, you know, like, we did something to that country that made the drug trade so bad there. We removed somebody yeah. and we did certain things that made it that way. Same thing for any other, like, you know, Haiti. Like, you know, like, learning about what's going on in Haiti and being, like, you know, uh, them electing America, making sure that this person gets elected. So then uh, they give them a lot of money to, you know, like, to pretty much ruin their economy. You know, like, it's things yeah. that, you know, whenever that happens and people are fleeing that area, it's just like, there's a reason to all of this shit. And, and you know... Um, I don't know. I'm just like kicking the kicking around the idea that like, yeah, like these these people are they're here they're here already. They already have a they already have a community. So like, shout out to the to the Jewish community. They already have a strong yeah. Here base. in Pittsburgh is hugely strong. Strong base. Squirrel is very base. diverse though too. Right, right. Um, but like notoriously, what I'm saying is like notoriously, oh the Jews, the Jewish people, they own this or they own that or they control this. Small business owners, yeah. Right. If they have this, there's a reason because of this. You know, like they, sure. they were fleeing something <laughs> and they were trying to get to something to make themselves better. That's a positive thing. That's something that makes America. Yes. That, that's what makes America great is we're all coming here. We're all trying to make something good about it, like good about this country by making ourselves good. There's no overlord. There's no like overall agenda to be like, I want to take down this and I want to, you know, be able to No, like you can't buy this country. Like you just can't right. like, there's, well, hopefully not. Right. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of, <laughs> lot of money I, in politics. Right yeah. Now. But I, I mean, I say that, I say that to say that because like, I feel like a lot of people aren't really focused on the idea that like, it's not just because somebody's just coming here. They're not just coming here just to come here, just to mess up your country. Yeah. Um, even though like, I, I, like, yeah, no, I'm going on that road because like it's, it's, I think we're getting fatigued. But uh, <laughs> we're at a good stopping point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I'm the, just gonna end it there. No, I think <laughs> we said a lot. Well, yeah, we'll go. We'll go forever on that shit. No, we're way. We're at an hour thirty-nine. This is longer than I've done in a while. So yeah, yeah. Um, if the listeners want to catch you this weekend, give the plugs for the barbecue show. Mm-hmm. Uh, live at the barbecue. Uh, Ten dollars at nine o'clock at. Um, arcade comedy theater uh, and we're going to have a great lineup there uh, mostly black comics just because I I never really see that happen in the city I really want that to happen in the city 
a lot of black communities that talk to me are like, this scene is not for me, and I want to make sure that they know that this scene is for them. Good. Um, and I also have uh, Seneca Stone, uh, one of my favorites, uh, hosting the show. Uh, last last time that we did it, it was super fun. Everybody's literally, I, I, I guarantee this, I guarantee this for the, for the Hurry Up and Say Something Funny show, I guarantee this for any other show that I put on, that it's always fun. It's always, everybody's having fun. Um, everybody's laughing. There's not a comic on there that's just going to be like, oh, this guy's kind of, no, it's always fun. You know, just show up, show up to the barbecue. You're invited. Nice. Good. (laughs) You can catch me Saturday night at the uh, allegedly funniest person in Pittsburgh contest at the Burning Bridges Club at Hambones. I'm on the eight o'clock lineup, so you can come vote for me and then head down and see Macintosh. And then the following week, you'll be in the semifinals, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. So continue all month long Saturday nights at the Burning Bridges Comedy Club shows every weekend, Saturday nights, 8 and 1030 and Sundays at 9. Check out Ian's show at Arcade on Saturday night next week. Great lineup. Norlex Belma, friend of the podcast, will be back in town. Always nice to see him here in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Dang, I forgot to even plug his name. That's okay. See, that's what I'm saying. This show is fucking balling. Two stacked. It's going to be amazing. Two stacked. That should have been the name. All right. <laughs> We're rebranding. No longer right. barbecue. Too yeah. stacked. Too stacked. Ian and Norlegs. <laughs> Enjoy it. Um, go out if you have uh, the opportunity to vote today, please. And um, go out and see some live comedy. That's that's the biggest thing. There's great shows here in the city all the time. Do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. If you haven't done so already, please plug the podcast. Share it with your friends. Make sure they know all about Garrett Teitelbaum, it's nice to see he's working new episodes every Tuesday on the Unplanned Comedy Pods Network. We did it, Ian. Yeah, we did it. What do you say, kid? Uh, Tipper tip Riches. I don't know. Tipper tip Riches. Yeah, that's <laughs> neat. <laughs> You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collective.